I, you know what? I'm kind of tired of doing the yo. I need to like figure out something, maybe even like yo. Like I said before, I gotta, I'm, I'm thinking about working in the sample, but just go, hi. I guess it, it is a good way, you know, and whatever. I'll keep it doing. I'll, until, someone, until someone tells me to stop, I'll just keep it going. Welcome, hopefully welcome back to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order with a few detours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this episode is one of those detours. So I think technically we can still say today because today is today. Sure. Today is today. Today is the day. The day. Be yeah. the Bo Steve Austin. Today is the day. Yeah. Well, Greg, what do we have on this episode? I'm really excited about this one um, because this is, we decided that whenever we have, whenever we get the chance to go back to a release, we've discussed or talk to either someone for the first time or a different person so that it kind of opens the door for a lot of stuff. Cause as you know, we've had these interviews and there's been people missing um, people that we, we won't name. Like, we're not going to say like, Oh, Siv wasn't on the start today. Like that would just be stupid or like, Oh, Matt wasn't on bold. We don't want to have these people like feel any kind of pressure, but like if one of those people decided to talk to us, the doors open, in. you know, like, Oh, Chris Bratton, you know, for chain. We don't do that here. We don't name names, <laughs> but we had the chance to talk to Lou and Armand from sick of it all. Um, which, you know, I had been in conversations with Lou for when Javier and I did episode three, um, schedule wise, it didn't work out. We did that episode. So if you want to really get a, a dive into just our takes on the record. Um, and then we can, also talked to Jason about it. I was going to say, you can listen to episode, um, zero zero three for Hav and I's breakdown of uh, mm. sick of it all hot tracks and all and then Jason on uh, what was said volume one talked yeah. about it so this is going to be you know not much of us in this episode um, but I was so excited to talk to these guys um, you know Jason had told me too like yeah you came off like a real fan of sick of it all like you know your stuff because oh like, you I, are I kind of follow them you know even their new records, like I'll, I'll always listen to a new record when it comes out. Um, you know, my favorite sick of it all stuff is, you know, scratch the surface and just look around and blood sweat and this seven inch. Um, but like I'll, I'll fuck with built to last and the fat record stuff and uh, the century media. Like I'll listen to it all. I love sick of it all. I love those guys. Um, to me, they are absolute legends. Uh, I think I said someone asked on Facebook once like, what is the one band you would want to see right now once this lockdown or whatever uh, we call this, this perpetual state of lockdown? I don't even know. What do we call it? Is this lockdown, quarantine, whatever it is? No, this is quarantine. I just call it 2020, man. Yeah, just 2020. <laughs> and my answer with no thought involved, and it still stands, sick of it all. Uh, I want to see sick of it all again. Um, and talking to these guys made that even more so clear, like – I want to see sick of it all. The next chance I get, I want to like, be going off to sick of it all. But um, this was really cool. Um, and we're super appreciative that they took time out to talk to us. Uh, mm -hmm. They have the book that we mentioned, uh, the blood and the sweat, which like Lou said, it's available like 
wherever you know indie record stores amazon whatever it's by howie abrams bit of boda howie in effect records uh in so, effect yeah. who made my citizen kane yeah yeah Pop citizen kane which features sick of it all. Yeah, it we, does. Uh, I, we, it's been suggested that we do a bit of bonus episode only about that. I'm in. Um, and I would, love to talk to, I would love to talk to Howie about it. Yeah, that'd be sick. But, Jason, um, um, are we putting together a merch order for uh, We Stand Alone merch or what? Yeah, we need to. Yeah, Dude, we I was wearing the, the pink. Yeah, that pink hoodie's sick. Hoodie. I think I just Dude. would get the black shirt, though, to match the cassette because... That's my favorite. Like I've said before, that's my favorite um, Sick of It All release. And it's great. The Minor yeah. Threat cover on there. So. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, with Sick of It All, that early merch especially just looks super, super mm. cool. And oh, yeah. also, they need to make sweatpants. We need, mm. we need Sick of It All suits. Yeah, the world, the, the world needs sick of all suits. Just like you know, the drag, maybe that hooded guy or the dragon down the side, dude. Well, yeah. and you know, unfortunately for Jason and I, this merch that we're talking about, we're gonna have to order it from Europe. So we should do it. I think we should. It's worth it. Yeah. They, yeah. So sick of it all. Have uh, a U.S. merch store, but they also have a Europe store. So this is official merch, and gotta say that i like the europe designs yeah, more i, I mean if, if I, I have to pick um you know and and i love both i think that but, the euro um, yeah. the euro merch store comes up first when you look on google it does and <laughs> then but the the we stand alone stuff and then they have some other new stuff but i do like all the merch is good they take some chances with the european store that yeah, it's a little bit. Awesome. Ex- it's a little yeah. bit experimental. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. it's it's good shit. And uh, yeah, it looks. Uh, they do have a merch store on All In, uh, which is a United States. They have a polo, shot glasses, um, all sorts of shirts, bandanas. Beanies. Yeah, they actually have some cool stuff. And you know what's interesting, and this is indicative of it, is that sick of it all kind of transcends hardcore. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a really cool video I watched recently of them playing, I believe, the first Warp tour, and they're it's outside, middle of the afternoon. It's it's not on um, the trailer stage like we talked about with Sammy when when Siv was on that Warp tour, but it's just like middle of the afternoon, and there's just normies watching them, skate punks, yeah, you know, everybody, and I mean. Their, mer- their merch kind oh. of like uh it shows that it's not just stuff that like regular hardcore kids would buy it's like just Agreed. people who l- like maybe aggressive aggressive music, music. yeah yeah <laughs> their live and show like, is contagious yeah. their yeah. live show is incredible lou yeah. is easily one of the best front men in the history of hardcore um i think he yeah. uh just really knows how to work a crowd he really knows his voice is so good still like his voice, you know, and whenever you see sick of it all, you know, you're going to hear this. Are you ready? And you're like fired up as soon as you hear that every time he's just, he's a legend. Armand's a legend. I was like, so excited to talk to these guys. They were super nice. And, um, I, I just, I love that band. Yeah. I think they're, they are just phenomenal. I'm so glad that we, 
that they're still doing it. Like, yeah. And, and they have fun. You can tell yeah, that they're still and, fun and, when they play. And buy the merch if you can, like these bands yeah. right now, like, especially a band like sick of it all. Like this is their, this is their job. Yeah. And, you know, their job is playing these shows. Um, they have families, they have kids buy some merch, you know, cause they, they need it, you know, because we don't, we want to be able to see these bands continue once shows start, you know? Yeah. So, and that goes for all these, any hard, any hardcore indie band, grab a record if you can, or even just throw five bucks at their band camp. Just do something so that we can keep, keep the scene alive, you know? Yeah. That's so 2020. I guess before we get into the, uh, the interview, do you think it might be time to... What's up, Revelation Records fans? Joe from Hellminded Records here to fill you in on some of the killer records we're churning out. So stick around for just one minute and I'll drop some info on how to win a free Shades Apart test press along with a special coupon code for our web store at hellmindedrecords.com. Kicking things off is the first record in 19 years by New Jersey's finest power trio and former Revelation recording artist Shades Apart. Mixed and mastered at the Blasting Room, Eternal Echo is a 10-song shredder which is now available on limited blue ocean waves and black vinyl. Keep an eye on in 2021 for more coming from Shades Apart. Next in line, the first release in over 27 years from legendary New Jersey hardcore unit No Escape. Featuring Tim Singer of Dead Guy and Kiss a Goodbye along with Steve Cordello of Turning Point, this brand new six song 12 inch is due out late January 2021. Pre-orders begin early December 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. On deck for spring 2021, we've got several killer releases in the hopper, including the debut LP by South Philly's crossover thrashers, Honey. Featuring Jay Laughlin from Turning Point on guitar and vocals, this record is for fans of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, and Mind Force. And that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hellminded Records, and sign up for our mailing list for a chance to win a free Shades Apart test press. You can also use the code Where It Went to save 10% on any order between now and November 30th, 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll go first this time. Okay. So I got a couple quick bit at bows. Maybe not so quick. Okay. So first which is relevant to the sick of it all episode because there's an interview with uh, sick of it all in here. I had asked around for the antimatter book, which I, by Norman Brannan, um, which let me backtrack a little bit. Cause this might be some people's first episode with sick of it all. Cause like we yeah. said, sick of it all has got a, a pretty wide reach. So welcome. Um, and uh, we have, you know, like we were talking about to try and keep things running. We have a Patreon where we, um, you know, have patrons that help. They, they uh, pledge money each month, which helps us with running costs and research materials and things like that. We have two episodes coming that I feel like I'm going to – can I say what they are so that maybe people – I mean, they're in the can. Yeah, yeah. Can we say it? Yeah, so say it. People, you know, So we have an episode about Chain of Strength with uh, Scott Vogel of Terror and World Be Free. Um, and Tim McMahon, who's friend of the pod, friend of us, mm -hmm. love that dude, love mouthpiece, hands tied, search, and all that. Uh, he's on there as well, talking chain. 
gives us a total breakdown of the chain crew. It was sick. Um, seven inch, like from beginning to end, the full story. If you're into chain, which you should be, um, you don't want to miss this one. And that's going to be for patrons only. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also we did a literally <laughs> three plus hour interview with one of my personal heroes, seriously, Norman Brannan of Texas is the reason and antimatter. So cool. He broke, we talked about the zine a little bit, but the comp, the antimatter comp track by track talked about every song, the stories behind getting these bands, dealing with the bands and everything. So I legit, I legit thought that conversation was going to be like eh, 45 minutes. Maybe like, we're just going to talk to him about it. Yeah. Three hours. <laughs> and it's, it's no, like I, I, if I do say so myself, it's no, like dead time like, there's, no, there's no that's not filler at no, all it's no it's all hits yeah. and that's only going to be for patrons um but norm you know i mentioned the maybe i mentioned there's this book the antimatter anthology it came out in 2007 and it's now a super sought after book it's not in print uh norman has mentioned that they're going to be someday be a second edition and they're gonna it's gonna be a totally different than this book. He said yeah. he's, they're going to start it from ground zero, like as if this didn't come out. So it's hard to find. And these interviews are great they're and great. they're helpful for research for the pod. And I wanted one and, you know, nobody could find an extra. And then I got hit up by an old friend of mine, uh, Chris Palmer from Philadelphia. So I want to give him a bit of bow. He literally, um, you know, said, Oh, I love what you're doing with the podcast. You know, I want to check it out. I've seen you got all these guests, you know, he's a busy guy. He sent me the book. He's like, you need to have this. I don't need to have this anymore. I've read it. Um, and, uh, I was touched. I mean, that was super nice. And, um, Chris, I met like 20 years ago, he played, he sang for a, a under uh, underrated Philly band called victory strike, which featured, a pre-horror show, nothing, uh, Nikki Money on guitar. Oh, nice. And their demo was cool as hell. It had like a, before their intro, they had a gun cock. <laughs> and I remember it was like the hardest thing. They like brought a real gun into the studio and you hear the cock and then it's like oh, the wow. intro. But yeah, Chris, great dude. Um, thank you so much for the book. I used to have a copy of this, like I said, and I had passed it on uh, years ago after reading it cover to cover. Because when I passed it on, I didn't think that I'd be doing a podcast where it would sure. come handy. So, yeah. yeah. And then speaking of books, I got one more bit of bow. Again, uh, tangentially related to Sick of It All because Sick of It All appeared on a Nemesis Records comp. But this book, The History of Nemesis Records, with uh, The History of Nemesis Records and Big Frank Harrison, awesome book. Uh, it is available on Reaper Records. And I had the pleasure of messaging with Big Frank himself, who said he has copies. So if you're interested in a copy, I'll bet you he would sign it because he said you can hit him up cool. directly through Instagram. His name is Big Frank 323. So send him a message. Tell him that you heard this from us. So at least you know, it makes us feel good and look good. Yeah. Um, I actually just ordered that and I, I don't know why I didn't own this book already, but I ordered it from Reaper after I saw yours. And I also ordered the new terror 
cassette single that has yes zero tolerance and, and um, zero tolerance covers because you know i love cassettes and i love terror so true. it's like that was it's a no-brainer no so so to get uh, those two together and nemesis records growing up in in southern california yo the fucking nemesis live series those seven inches and then there's a cd version oh, yeah. of them all together that was a and is that what sick of it all was on right yeah one of those they're in one of those and um no for an answer you know even just like the stage banter on those seven inches is so fucking good and yeah um nemesis and work shed to me were like always you know every time i go to the record store as a kid you could see those two um labels on on records and no like if you pick it up there's a good chance that you're gonna like what's yeah on and record. you know i i wanted to say too with this book a couple things uh that I, I wanted to get out and 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 it's really because of this podcast well first off the book itself it's super rad there's tons of pictures there's basically memories from a lot of people in the west coast hardcore scene talking about frank talking about nemesis and then frank himself goes through the entire discography talks a little bit about each release there's pictures um which is is super cool like yeah, that's cool as fuck. i love that stuff like because you'll learn a lot and what i wanted to say is there's a lot in this book so really until the past very recently i didn't know anything about nemesis other than they did the instead seven inch and I realized on doing this podcast how ignorant I was of a lot of West Coast hardcore. And this podcast has honestly helped me broaden my horizons. And Frank talks a lot about in this book, there's a lot of mention of Revelation and how a lot of these bands on Nemesis probably could be mentioned in the same breath as a bold, as a, you know, judge if they had been on Rev because Rev was yeah. such a thing, but a lot of those bands are from the East coast and he's right. Like I grew up on the East coast. That's how I got into hardcore. So it was all East coast stuff. I had, you know, uniform choice chain instead. And that was the, basically the extent of my like West coast hardcore. And there's so much awesome stuff. This book opened my eyes to a ton. We talked about before, like I'm all about the Dan O bands now, like, 411 carry nation um you know no for an answer so check this book out hit up big frank and like i said maybe if you're nice he will uh sign a copy but get into it i think that's all i got yep uh, i just wanted to give a real quick story about maybe i don't want to say the first time i saw sick of it all but it might have been it was in 1996 there was a outdoor festival called board in South Bay. And it was like in, it was at a college in Southern California. And it was like, like sick of it all. I don't remember who else. And then like dance hall crashers, no doubt face to face social distortion. And so sick of it all is playing middle of the afternoon I'm a fucking kid, like 18 years old. I knew who Dave Mandel was just because of <laughs> fanzines. And so Dave Mandel is in the pit for sick of it all, wearing a Youth of Today tank top. Yeah. And 
like a break down the walls tank top. So you know that that shit was probably from like fucking 87 or 89 or whatever, right? So not 87. I'll cut that out. So <laughs> <laughs> I see. Bit of Bo Dave Mandel. Yeah, bit of Bo Dave Mandel. Put up, count me out. Yeah. He did. Bit and of Bo so, the man. There, uh, of course, because it's the 90s and people are don't really know how to mosh yet. So this guy's doing some like real experimental mosh and he's running into people and people were getting a little bit upset about it. And Dave Mandel took it upon himself to be the, the, the pit protector or whatever you want to call it. Pit boss grabs the guy. I'll never, this is fucking indelibly burned into my mind, grabs the guy behind him in some like kind of seatbelt position and just throws the guy over his shoulder and then throws the guy to the ground and just looks at him. I don't even think he said anything to him. He just looked at him and the guy just got up and walked away and didn't bother anybody for the rest of the time. And it was as an incredible thing to witness a hardcore kid just like clean up the area and say, no, like this doesn't belong here. And this is our thing. We're watching sick of it all. And I knew, you know, even back then, they're a hardcore band, but they belong on a big stage. And, you know, a lot of different people will watch them. But at the, at the heart of it, this is a, this is a hardcore band. And uh, I've always enjoyed Sick of It All. I've always enjoyed watching Sick of It All live. And I've, I've never played- seen them play a bad show. Sick yeah. Of it all. yeah. Like, I've seen them play small places and I've seen them play, you know, bigger shows where they're headlining, like, you know, in, the, in their in their 90s heyday, they'd headline shows at the Trocadero here in Philadelphia and it would be packed. And they'd have like, you know, they always toured on stacked lineups too. Yeah. Like it would be like Sick of It All, AFI, Good Riddance, you know. Uh, I think Sick in of my It All, eyes. Orange 9mm and Corn. Yeah, stocked lineup. Great tour. Bit, bit of boat of corn. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, um, one thing I wanted to add with Dave Mendel made me think uh, I watched the Bane documentary, uh, Holding These Moments. And uh, if you're a fan of Bane or even just hardcore in general, watch that movie. Dave's in it along with uh, Dave Ito. And I was telling these guys off, off the record that uh, I think those Dave – Dave and Dave, Dave and Dave, kind of steal the show for me. They're really, I, I never, I might have met, I met Dave Mendel in person when One Up toured out there in 2004. But um, those dudes stole the shit. Like they were super funny, and uh, like I audibly, like I laughed out loud watching them. And the one thing I wanted to add, I'm sorry, is when we talked about the Patreon. If you're interested in becoming a patron. Uh, check out our, our website, www.whereitwentpodcast.com. And there's a link there to become a patron. And, we're pretty, um, we're pretty active. Uh, we are. And we're Patreon and we talk to people a lot. We post stuff. We have a discord now. We have a discord. My and son we also have some stuff that we're going to send out to Patreon. Yes. My son was telling me, you know, we had talked about a message board and he's like, mm-hmm. you got to do discord. It's what, it's what the youth, mm-hmm. it's what the youth want. And uh, we did it, and um, it's cool. It's like uh, it's fun. That's for any level of patron gets access to the Discord. We're just kind of shooting the breeze, talking about stuff, and uh, that's all I got for real. I know I said yeah. that before, but that's all I have now. Jason, I know you had a, a bit yeah. of a new band. No, not new band. Uh, Bjorn from Belgium, his band Chain Reaction. They just put out a twelve-inch EP called Figurehead, and it's they're not new. 
No, no, they came. This is their. Uh, I think they came out with the seven inch, and I actually did, I did the layout for the seven inch called Hangman. Oh, nice, awesome. Yeah. And what what bands was uh, Bjorn in that people might know if they're you know we have we have to mention the X Men Rise and Fall Rise uh, and Fall Yeah, who was on Death Wish Records and that one toured the U.S. They played a lot of shows here. Um, yeah. The new record's awesome. It's called Figurehead. It's a twelve inch EP, and you can order it from um, Atomic Action Records in the U.S. And then control records if uh, you're in Europe. Okay. So I just wanted a bit of bow that. And then also I got a bit of bow, uh, Mehe and No Man Band dot bandcamp dot com. Uh, Mehe loves Sick of It All. So oh, nice. I just had to give her a shout. And then also, last one, Anthony Papalardo, Radio Silence. Uh, he, he's always hit us with some kind words yeah. about the podcast. So bit of oh, I love that guy. Super funny yeah. and knowledgeable. Oh, well, you mentioned bands, and I did think of one now that was that's I've been listening to the new-ish record. It came out uh, in September, okay. and it's related to Rev uh, Revelation. Is the band Rated X? Uh, oh, I haven't heard it. Fuck, it's Tom a from Violent, Violent Reaction. Reaction. Oh it's shit, really? Fucking great, awesome. Yeah. It's oh, dude, I got awesome. To Yo, yeah. every every Violent Reaction like any related band in that new wave of british hardcore uh-huh <laughs> every single one is good rated x is fucking it is oh, hardcore. that's on painkiller records mm-hmm. which okay. you can get through the death wish uh the death wish store like through their website and um it's a ripper like it's, I like it's good reaction. raw yeah super straight edge hardcore um so definitely yeah. get into that. And then one last bit at bow. Uh, so and then it really is all I got. I swear <laughs> is if you remember on our Patreon episode, when we talked to insight, Mark had said uh, sick of it all was his favorite rev release. So I wanted to give uh, Mark and the insight guys a bit at bow. They've been super supportive of us and um, our journey to try and find their microphone yeah we're looking oh yeah we're really uh, we're really trying i've i've put on my gum shoes uh isn't that what detectives a gum shoe yeah mm-hmm. and uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this yeah. so all, all right, right let's talk to sick of it all all right if you fucking let people take over the scene with their stupid mindless violence they got no more small shows you got barricades you got high door prices and that's what happens if you don't watch out what's going on Hey, so listen, while I have you uh, here, um, one of the things that we talk about on this podcast a lot, like almost on every episode, is the, in effect, videotape, the sick of it all agnostic front Gorilla Biscuits videotape. And Greg has actually called it my Citizen Kane because I literally reference it on like every episode (laughs) almost. So... um, I already knew what you're talking about. My <laughs> Do you have any like just quick memories about the release of that videotape? Like, did you, did you get copies personal or yeah, yeah. have any hand in it? No. When they asked us to do it, the, the, the one thing we said was, can we play somewhere where there's no barricade? And they asked the Ritz and the Ritz said no. And uh, the guys in effect were like, yeah, but we want to show the world how big this is. Like they're inspired by those, 
Like you go online and see those old GBH shows from California where it's like, you know, 7,000 people there. Yeah. They wanted to show, oh, you look what agnostic front and sick of it, all the Gorilla Biscuits draw. But we were all like, yeah, but it's not going to be as insane as a show with no barricade. But yeah. I mean, it turned out pretty good. Yeah, Except it's a re- had two scrubs in the band. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good like depiction of because you can see everything super clear. So yeah, like you don't yeah. see the stage diving, but you see the band. There's a lot of good crowd shots, and then the interviews, yeah. of course. Like you know, I was probably 15 when I first saw that. So being growing up in Orange County, California, and things are on a much smaller scale, I was like oh my God, this is so big and this is how <laughs> That's you what mosh. They wanted, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it worked on me. It's good salesmanship. If you, if you watch, you can see Isaac on top of the crowd during our sets a, a couple of times. Oh shit. You know, like with, I think he has one tattoo at the time. <laughs> Man, that's great. I know in the in the book too, you guys referenced about how like that video was out there so much, but it was like a lineup that you know it wasn't you know the classic yeah, lineup that we know today, and it wasn't the you know even the lineup on the first couple records. Should have been. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing with Gorilla Biscuits. Like it's like this weird lineup <laughs> where like Porcells on bass i think yeah uh, walter's yeah, yeah. on bass tom oh, walter's Capone on playing bass. guitar they all yeah. have long hair and like so we had those weird used. silver shoes <laughs> yeah, yeah. kept focusing the camera on it <laughs> yeah it's like, like no more sneakers i'm i'm mature <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it was the total the and total. then ag- agnostic front is in like camo suits oh, the camo God. tank top and the camo pants and it's like oh, what hey, else ready it? for war <laughs> yeah at least Craig looked good there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a good era of Agnostic Front, though. It was. Yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, One Voice and all that. Um, and then, Definitely a good lineup. Will Shepler on drums. Great. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, oh, yeah, and Craig was on bass for them at that. Because yeah. yep. I think yeah. he's interviewed in the video. Yeah. Who, who would have thought a couple years later? Does he still have that red bass? He yep. only records with it now. Oh, man, that thing is so sick. And I can just imagine how it's like just starting to get thinner and thinner from playing it, huh? It's weird. He won't put any – We years ago, right, Armand? We told him, why don't you get that refinished? He's like, it might fuck with the sound. And it's, he has, from the same company, he searched for years, and finally he found one other bass. Same year, same model, but it's white. It's great, but it doesn't have the sound that red one does. Wow. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, we the did white those. One's great. The white one's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's really good. That, that's what he takes out on the road uh, all the time. But those COVID videos we've been doing, the first thing everybody comments about is bass. And he wrote this long thing of all the equipment he uses. <laughs> At the end, I just wrote, it's just a fucking red bass. It's none of this other <laughs> shit. <you know? laughs> it's, it's the way he plays it and that bass that's just – Boom. Yeah. Yeah. It's an iconic Back bass. on the uh, – he used it on the, the New York City Mayhem demo. And uh, even back then, like just the sound of the bass, anytime there was a little bass break, everybody would just comment about how awesome the bass sounded. Yeah. I wonder if he used that on um, the Youth of Today Break Down the Walls because we were talking about that record. He definitely did. Um, Probably, and yeah. when it's we talked about it with, with Jordan, and Jordan was talking about how – you know, because we, we made the comment about how some of those guys were so young, you know, like Sammy. And, and on that record, Drew was telling us he was 14, Drew from Into Another and Bold. Wow. Um, and, but Craig was 15, they said. And 
they were talking about the break in um, Stabbed in the Back. This has this like bass break. And Jordan was saying like, you know, Craig didn't even get enough credit like back then, like for being such a sick bass player oh, and yeah. being so yeah. young, like 15 years old playing that, like, doom, 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 you know, the, yeah, but he, came, he came from metal. So he actually knew how to play, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, <laughs> all those other guys, they weren't like metal heads until they, they didn't discover metal until later. So they didn't grow up with that same level of musicianship and trying to emulate the, you know, the amazing musicians that inspired Craig. Yeah. Right, like he was in, well, you guys too were in like old Metallica. Like when I read the book, I guess I never realized to me as someone who was like 10 when the Black Album came out. So like that was my <laughs> introduction to Metallica. I didn't realize that they were actually pretty big like before then. Oh, yeah. So it's crazy to think of how many people even in punk and hardcore were into Kill 'Em All. Like you'll hear like people I talk remember about going to see uh, Broken Bones at CBGB's matinee. And James Hetfield, Kurt Hammett were there. And then we all went to Brooklyn, Lemoore's, and watched Metallica play that night on the Ride the Lightning tour. Crazy. Yeah. That's so sick. Like, yeah, like I thought, oh, I thought like maybe Injustice, you know, when I went backwards, it's like, okay, Injustice for All was like when they got big, but they were already like, you they know, were people doing already. It. I think yeah, it was Masters doing. of Puppets that really put them over. You know, mm -hmm. they got bigger each album, you know. At Masters is when they what when they opened for Ozzy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did the. Uh, Even uh, when you look at the videos of them playing in those festivals in Europe back, I guess on Ride the Lightning, they're playing to massive, massive audiences. Yeah. Even you know they were already kind of ruling in the whole metal community. In a in the Twisted Sister documentary, he talks about when they went up to, uh, I don't know if it was Denmark or wherever they went up north somewhere. And Dee Snyder goes, yeah, we were headlining the tour and we get there and there's a huge sign that says, welcome Metallica and Twisted Sister. <laughs> and he said, he convinced Metallica, you guys headline tonight. And they headlined and he, he goes, yeah, watch it from the side of the stage. I was like, yeah, I get it. They're aggressive, but I don't see this going anywhere. That was <laughs> Dee Snyder, he goes, he goes, so much for my knowledge of music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot about Twisted Sister, a lot of mentions of Twisted Sister in the book. That was, yeah, me and Peter. Because um, they were from, uh, they're from New York, right? I, I guess yeah, I Long know. Island, Queens. I was, were, I grew up, I was born in 77, so I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, but I remember the, the stuff with Tipper Gore and all the like PMRC yeah. stuff, like while it was happening, I was young. Yeah, and Snyder was a, a really big voice in that. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was really good too. Like the points that he made were always like uh, really, he was uh, very well-spoken, mm -hmm. very respectable, you know, uh, there was nothing that you could take away from the man like he was sharp-witted and quick with everything that he said and like yeah. very impressive in that yeah. in that strange setting yeah yeah did you guys ever that too. cross paths with them at all yeah european festivals nice yeah, great, yeah i great can imagine those guys how how because <laughs> even today those lineups are you know so crazy it'll be like Dokken, Converge, Hatebreed, <laughs> Opeth, like just so yeah. all over the place. The, the funny oh. thing is, is meeting these other bands like, you know, Twisted Sister and whatever. And then some of them, like the singer of uh, Disturbed, we were headlining the second stage at some Belgian festival. Disturbed played at three o'clock. And we always had this running joke about the guy from Disturbed because he, 
we heard an interview on the radio once while we were driving in a van and he was Carmen goes, this guy's so arrogant, blah, blah, blah. So Craig would always say, oh, he's going to find us and he's going to fight you. And then in the middle of the set, Craig walks over and he goes, hey, look, look, the guy's here to fight Armand. I go, what guy? He goes, the singer of Disturbed. I go, bullshit. I turn, he's standing there with his bodyguard. But after the set, he walks up to, as me and Pete were walking off, he stopped me and Pete and he goes, I, I used to go see you guys at the Metro in Chicago. No way. Goes, I went to see Corn and I stayed to watch you guys and I was fucking blown away. And I watched you several times after that when you came to the Metro. So that was really, you know, that, like the girl from, uh, what's that operatic metal band you used to like, Armand? Mate? Oh, uh, shit. I don't know. It's on Central Media. <laughs> Lacuna Coil? I, no, I her wasn't. Name's the... Chris, Christina? Kristen? Oh, Cabarera. the girl that's going out with Doyle? No, that's the one from uh, Arch Enemy. Uh, Arch Enemy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she's another one that mm-hmm. we stopped at Century Media one time, and she knocks on the door and asked, "Oh no, she ran into Pete was working out, and she said, oh, I want to take a picture of Pete from Sick of It All.'" And I was like, "Who's that?" And he's like, "Oh, the singer for that band." Oh, <laughs> oh man, sick. It, well, Sick of It All is one of those bands, and we've we've talked about it that has, in in a, the same way we talked about with Gorilla Biscuits has this like wide appeal. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and like we said in the book, the fact that Chris from Dashboard Confessionals writing the foreword, and then you, you guys had encounters with like Joe Strummer, like all these people like <laughs> were, were fans. And I always thought that was just the coolest thing that, you know, sick of it all, even though you guys are clearly a, a hardcore band, like we're able to, you know, cross all these different genres and you know, yeah, we I think about- European festivals really helped out with that. You know, yeah. that that was like kind of like uh, the fact that festivals, like you said, are all over the place with the way they put these bills together. Um, just being, you know, exposed to certain types of music uh, through those festivals, you, you get to understand what these other artists are about. It's not just hearing a record and trying to figure out like, you know, what are these people really like? You see what they're really like, right? With your own eyes and you hear the, uh, the power and the aggression behind it. And you also see the way they interact with the audience, which I think is also a big um, draw for sick of it all, because we always like to, you know, just put off good vibes and have fun with the audience and everything. So it's like uh, seeing us live. A lot of people don't quite get it until they see us live and then they come away uh, even if they're not, even if they're not hardcore fans at all, they tend to like sick of it all. So, I think that's uh, really helped out uh, just being able to play all these strangely billed uh, European festivals. Yeah, like if you guys weren't good live, it w- you know it wouldn't work. You know what I mean? But like bottom line, if you went out there and <laughs> even you know, because there are times where like bigger bands will bring out hardcore bands, and a lot of hardcore bands that may be good in a real small place can't translate to like the big stage yeah. but then there's bands like you guys and that i've seen on bigger stages mad ball um you know stuff like that hate breed where they found a way to be able to be awesome in like a small basement or in a big you know in a big arena yeah it's, it's it's hard it's like you have to make it feel like it's a small show you know you combine the when we do the huge festivals like Full Force in Germany, and uh, you have to give it a little bit of the rock show, but you got to make them feel like you're just talking to each one of them or 
they they're you know right up in the face you know with us you know yeah so i think maybe my first exposure to sick of it all was from that videotape and so i saw the band live i saw the band live even though i'm yeah. on on the other side of the country and then i picked up a record actually i think the first one i bought was we stand alone which also has live tracks on the ep so it was like i knew from day one of my being exposed to sick of it all like this is a band that you have to experience live the the recordings are good everything's great but like live it's it's just it's it's next level and then seeing the band in the mid 90s late 90s and like every time you know that it's going to be a good show you know that it's going to be fun there's going to be stage diving singing along you know the songs are easy to pick up even if maybe you don't know you haven't poured over the lyrics sheet, like you'd still stand, uh, sing along. And uh, I, I think that that's an important component of the band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the amount of effort that we put into our live performances at all times, like uh, no matter how we felt or no matter what the situation was or whatever, we always try to give 110% and, uh, it's worked for us like people that the, you know, that's one of the reasons why we've had such a good following is because of the strength of our live performances. So, you know, it's something that can kind of make you proud. Uh, Greg, we talked earlier and you said that you had a question yeah, had, to lead off. Let's so, go. so, so as you know, our podcast, we're called where it went, um, where we're taking the uh, task of, going through the revelation catalog from, you know, the first Warzone seven inch until whatever they release next. Cause we were like, Hey, what else are we going to do during quarantine? So, um, before we get into the revelation number three, which is the sick of it all seven inch, we were talking last week to Sammy Porcel and uh, Toby Morse uh, about start today and doing backups on it. And they said that you guys were like just super pros even then at doing the backups. Like they were like, we were all boys and they were men. Do you remember anything about that, about that like time of doing the backups on that record? Well, it was a, it was a shitload of fun. I can tell you that. Yeah. It was, it's like, you know, stopping by there and getting involved a lot with all that stuff. It was just like, there was just so much laughter and so much joking around the whole time. I mean, we got, we got the work done, but we just had a blast doing it. And, you know, it's funny that, that they would uh, talk about us in that way. I don't know why. I, I think we were all, we were all pretty much peers. I don't yeah, think we're all goofing around. Yeah. And they're, they're not, uh, if they are younger than us, it's not by all that much. So I don't know. It's funny. Maybe, maybe we just had a more serious uh, I don't know the way we did things. I don't know. Maybe well, that's what we're picking up on. They were, and, and I think at that time, so, you know, Luke, the Gorilla Biscuits drummer talked to about being on tour and first hearing blood, sweat and no tears and being like, fuck man, we got to step it up. So it's kind of <laughs> cool. Like there was like, you know, the, you know, the, the influence on their end, like, but I, I don't know if that came out, probably came out around the same time, but even just in general, like he just said, like hearing it, he was just like, holy crap, like this is like next level from from where they even started at. 
Um, I remember being on tour in the van with Squirm and he would put in the, the Gorilla Biscuits album and the horns would start and then he would pull over on the side of the road and stage dive on everybody in the back. <laughs> that was great. You know, actually, uh, one of the interesting things about Start Today is the fact that there was uh, the whole first version of Siv's vocals yeah. were done in this really like super melodic way. And we all loved it. We thought it was amazing. And then I think it was after they heard the uh, Blood, Sweat, No Tears, they went back and uh, Siv sang harder on the record. And to, to all of us, we were like, oh, they should have just left it alone. You know, it would have been like, you know, awesome to like have all of that melody still all over the record. But um, they redid all of Siv's vocals just to make it a little harder. And I don't know, <laughs> to me, it was... Unnecessary. It was good, yeah. Yeah, that version is referred to as the Civ demo, and oh, you have, uh, so you have you guys heard it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so because we did start today and we did two parts of it, we've been doing some like serious archaeology about this record because <laughs> okay. it was recorded first at Chung King, uh, version of Start Today, and they scrapped it because they didn't like the way that it was going, and then they went to Don Fury, mm -hmm. and they have. So there's the Civ demo, and then there's Walter Sings the Hits, where Walter sings all of the songs. And what? I, and I <laughs> feel like Walter Sings the Hits came before Civ demo because Civ demo kind of mimics Walter Sings the Hits. Right. And then there's the final version of Start Today. So, and they did confirm, well, they didn't say that it's because of Sick of It All, but they did say that they wanted to rough up. Walter said, they wanted to rough up the vocals because it was super melodic. So uh, we'll just go ahead with that, the, the narrative that it, it is because of- <laughs> well, it, makes what, sense of what it, it makes sense because of what I think, Luke I, said. I think I've heard them actually say that. You know? yeah. Yeah. So I'm not just making it up. No, no I, I, mean, I love that. I love that part <laughs> of the story. It fits nicely. And they probably were, I know they were stoked that like KRS-One was on your record, like, cause yeah. they were big fans of, of hip hop, which, you know, we talked about when we talked to them, but, you know, it's start today is another one of those records. I think that, um, you know, so many people love, it's like timeless and people just starting out, like you could give them that just like I would maybe give them like, you know, a scratch the surface or something or a uh, minor threat. Like it's one of those things I think people can get into, um, pretty easy and it and it's one of those things that you don't you don't grow out of like once you're into it like it's not like you're like oh i like hardcore i used to like gorilla biscuits or i used to like sick of it all but but now i don't like you know people that like them usually stick around mm -hmm. um so i guess the first thing is um with so going back to the seven inch i know you talked in, in the book a little bit about the recording what book but, is that greg what book um, are you referring oh yeah so the the book um by Lou and Pete, uh, called Blood Sweat, The Blood and the Sweat. Sorry, uh, it's the story of, of is it the story of the Kohler? I have a copy, but it's over yeah, on my show. The, the story Brothers. of the Kohler Brothers, awesome book, definitely get it. Uh, I read through it probably in like two days, it's like a fast, yeah, it's short because you just, you know, the way it, I love the way it's written because it's like kind of like one of those oral histories, um, and has you know, all you guys, Craig, Armand, um all different people from the that are part of the sick of it all story um and it's it's a good read and it's out where's the best place for people to get it so that you know it's God, for you guys i mean 
if they don't have it at your at your independent record stores, they just you know uh, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, stuff okay. like that. I didn't know if maybe you were selling on your site to like yeah, like signed no, copies no. on your own store or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna so, forge Pete's signature and uh, put them all <laughs> on eBay. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a great read, and I learned a lot. Even though I've been a fan for you know 25 years, still learn stuff. Um, some cool stories, but I guess I was very curious even before doing this podcast about the Revelation era because I think sometimes people almost like because sick of it all's had this long career, you've been on a bunch of different labels. Like people sort of almost forget that like you were a part of revelation really in that early golden era, like a part of the story. So I guess bef- even before we get into the recording, it was it literally just the kind of thing where you guys were playing off the demo and Jordan and Ray Kappa were like, Hey, let's do a record. Yeah. Well, what I remember is, I don't remember who was playing or if we were playing, but it was in front of the anthrax. Jordan and Ray go, Hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah. And they asked, they said, first it was about the comp. And then they said, we also want to do a seven inch with you. And I was like, sure. That was it. That's, that's all I remember. <laughs> and was, was the war zone record even out at that point? God, see again, I, I think the war zone was out and what was next? The bold uh, the to get together, the seven inch comp. Oh, seven inch, yeah. Which sick of it all was, yeah, you guys were on. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and those guys have told us that the seven inch was kind of a placeholder because they always knew that there would be a 12 inch version of that compilation. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they knew going in that they wanted to do an expanded version of it and have give some bands more songs and more attention or whatever. Yeah. So did you have that. any other labels at the time that were, were they were, the, it sounds like they were the first ones and. Nah, they were the only ones as far as I remember. Yeah, there was, you know, we, and we didn't think about labels. We were just like, Hey, let's do a demo. We did. Well, no demo. labels, no lies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, the, we did the demo and then uh, they approached us for the, the two songs for the uh, together comp. And then they said, yeah, but we want to do a seven inch too. You know, and then later, after we did, when we did the seven inch, they were talking to us about doing an album, but they were busy with. Uh, they said, but it's going to have to wait till we're done with the Gorilla Biscuit record. Mm. That was that's so how that we went. we we were sort of is the word positing is that sure. right? like we were we were thinking you know when we did the original episode for this it was just Javier and myself, um, and we were saying well, what would in an alternate universe if Sick of It All would have waited the year and put out the album on Revelation, like how would that history, how would that have played out? And we decided, which is funny because we're doing a Revelation podcast, but you guys made the right move. Um, Cause we were just thinking like, if to, to me, if you didn't sign, you know, with in effect and get out there, then you wouldn't have gone on that. It wasn't the first kind of big tour, the Exodus tour, right? Yeah, well, we like did six, six, six dates. Yeah, it was just like a, a small run. And then it wasn't until uh, like maybe, I don't know, six months, a year later that we did the DRI tour, DRI Nasty Savage tour. And that was, uh, that, that was really good for us. But that I mean, good, yeah. the, the, what they were able to do, what in effect was able to do, the revelation I, I don't think really could at that point was get a record into all of the malls, mm-hmm. you know, because all of those record stores, like the distribution that we got out of um, in effect was 
probably vastly superior to what we could have gotten out of Revelation. I know Revelation would have been, you know, more kind of, you know, underground and, and cool, but um, in effect at that point was doing really good things as far as like really pushing their bands and supporting their bands and putting a good amount of money behind the promotion. Yeah, and as someone who grew up in like not in the city, grew up in the suburbs, I bought a lot of CDs at malls. And, yeah, and that's, you that's know, exactly it. It's like, you know, being able to reach people that don't live in, you know, like, like if the amount of people from the surrounding areas of New York that were able to get their hands on sick of it all because we were on in effect, as opposed to just the city kids that could go to like the, you know, some records or something like that. Yeah. And uh, like uh, that, that's what it is. It's just the, the amount of distribution that we got out of uh, in effect was, uh, was really what made it uh, a, a better move. Yeah. And it got you on those tours that wouldn't, I mean, again, probably wouldn't have happened if, if you were, you know, if you're, it seems like a lot of times with the revelation bands, and this obviously is no disrespect. We, we love them. That's why we're doing the podcast, but you know, they end up touring with the same bands. Like it yeah, would be like each other Judge yeah. and bold or, and, and that's cool. Like there's a, there's definitely a, a space for that, but you guys, you know, kind of took it to the next level. And, you know, a lot of those bands did one LP and broke up and then we get back together and play, you know, but all that, but you guys just kept putting out, music like on different labels but um you know revelation was the f the first one so when you went to record was there ever talk about going to don furies um or like i forget in the book and and for those i, I guess that didn't read what was it that made you decide to go where you ended up going for the i think it was because inch? rest in pieces went to do their album there right oh uh, that's cool yeah the first album it was uh, my brother's band was the first band to, to record there, uh, a band called Cryptic. And my brother was a singer of that band. It wasn't weren't like a hardcore band or anything like that. But I heard the, the sound quality coming out of that place. It was called Legend Studios out mm -hmm. in Long Island. That's right. And, uh, um, you know, so Rest in Pieces went there soon afterwards. And we were really happy with the whole experience. And then, you know, so when Sick of it All was ready to do the demo, uh you know it was just like kind of you know it was a comfortable setting we knew the guy that was um behind the, the desk and everything so um it just seemed to make sense it, you know it was kind of a long trip all the way out to like stony brook long island but uh <laughs> that's where we did it and um you know the sound quality is okay it's uh the the takes aren't the best because um i i literally was just starting out on drums at that point so there's like a lot of drumming you know not <laughs> a lot of drumming flubs let's put it that way not full, like full-on mistakes but flubs all over the thing but the but the demo has like a decent sound and it it is what it is it's a demo <laughs> yeah so was yep. the demo done at the same place as the seven inch then oh uh, yeah i think it was yeah. yeah it were yeah both of them and can i ask who did the calvin for the demo, the Calvin in the world. Oh, that's Pete. Wasn't that? No, that's I awesome. Did. Oh, you oh, did? I did it. Yeah, dude, oh, I love that. I know. Awesome. It's, it's like, I figured it's it fit those... the name. I loved Calvin at the time, and uh, Calvin and Hobbs, and I figured, you know, for the demo, we needed something on the cover, and I was like, 
oh, I want to, I want to have Calvin hitting the world with a bat. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes as like a young kid, and Calvin has always snuck its way into hardcore somehow. You know, it was around <laughs> a lot of the the '90s hardcore was like kind of cartoony, and you'd see like Calvin and stuff. So yeah, he always I had the that, axes on his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's. I would imagine that this is probably Calvin's first appearance then as the sick of it all demo. I, I so. His so, best, yeah. his best by far. And his best, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, Cal Calvin peeing on whatever Calvin pees on. Osama is, Bin Laden. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that enough, is fair. some good iconography right there. Point taken. <laughs> so I know too, like in the book that you talked about, one of the things when you were on revelation was like a lot of people though would assume that you were part of that like straight edge scene and, and that you were, and then they'd be sort of like bummed out when they'd find out that you guys weren't, even though you guys were never really, you know, never pretended to be edge. right. Like, <laughs> was it, was that kind of weird? Like, just like, did it get you annoying? Know, I, I would imagine it would get annoying after a while when people assume even to this day, you know, like you'll see, there will be like the the signature uniformed straight edge kids you know they you could tell who they are just by looking at them uh at any given show and uh they'll only go off for the songs off of the the revelation releases mm. <laughs> which so is kind of frustrating for us you know yeah. it's that we we and we've seen that over the, you know over the decades where you'll have like those kids that are obviously straight edge that only dance for the the songs off of that you know the revelation era sick of it all which is just funny because it was the same band on the next record and the one after right. that and the one, you know yeah, <laughs> yeah <but laughs> like summer is in their mind it, it stands for something else it's, so, and and that's the thing you know we've come to you know learn too with doing this podcast is like just how much of like a culture existed just around revelation like it the way they did things with the colored vinyl and the layouts and the ads and everything um you know it made people it kind of sucked people in where they were willing to buy anything that was on the label probably for yeah. the first couple years um, and you yeah. see that with a lot of labels, actually, you know, they have like their even, you know, with our experience on fat records, we're always like the odd man out on revelation. We're the odd man out on fat records. We're the odd man out. Cause you know, we didn't fit with the whole, you know, we didn't have any songs that sounded remotely like no effects, but um, you know, it's just like, and, and then there was a time where uh, victory wanted to sign us as well. And that's another example of a label that, really kind of suck people in with like a whole, uh, I don't know, it, like a, almost like a, like a cult of personality kind of thing where, yeah, where you, where, where you kind of expect a certain sound, you expect a certain kind of band, you want every band to kind of fit the mold, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we never really quite fit the mold with any of these labels. So uh, we always just did our own thing and we continue to do so. And it, it's this many years later. So I guess it's never really hurt us. No, I was going to say, I think it's kind of a testament to sick of it all and the longevity of your careers band where you, you know, even if you didn't, you know, necessarily fit into the box, like 
we reference this book here, uh, Record Aficionado, often, um, because it compiles, like it has, someone put together basically all the early Revelation releases and ads of the time and reviews. And like all the reviews of the Sick of It All 7-inch are just glowing reviews. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was, that had to be crazy. You have a demo, you have a 7-inch, and then like every zine, I mean, there's Stranger Zine, New Breed, uh, you know, open your eyes, in effect zine, um, you know, no answers, MRR, like just so many reviews. I thought saying Maximum it's Rock and Roll didn't like it when it came out. That's what I, I th- didn't they say it was metallic hardcore? <laughs> so <laughs> this, this one says, I'll, I'll read it's, it's quick. It says, they've had it up to here and they're not going to take it anymore. So there's your twisted sister. Reference. Uh, so, so maybe this. So they're so they're going to bitch and moan and strike out in anger. No solutions offered or recommended. The only tune that offers any emotion other than anger, revenge, is "Give Respect," which says that it's actions, which says that it's actions that prove the person a worthy thought. Hope to see a broadening uh, of their range of emotions slash humanity. Otherwise, this is your moshable New York hardcore. So that was Tim Yohan in review. Oh, uh, but not could have been, not, could have been way worse for yeah. Tim Yo. <laughs> the other ones are very, the other ones are, <laughs> yeah. you get uh, so, you get, you know, so many songs with this record and the layout looks great. Like a lot of those reviews say that. That's good. Yeah, like you get yeah. 10, 10 songs on a seven inch. But, hey, like, but before we get to the reviews, I wanted to ask Lou what, um, how the experience was recording for was that the first time that you went in to record in the studio was the demo in the seven inch yeah yeah i th- i think i actually did better on the seven inch than i did on the full album you know because uh, uh i think that had to do some of the songs because we had three days to record 22 songs mm-hmm. and you know record and mix and mm-hmm. uh, the vocals were done last remember that armand we did the vocals yeah. like the last day and then that night was all the backups and then it was like almost uh, 12 hours straight of mixing. You know? Yeah. So like it's when you heard the seven inch played back at the recording and you hear it's clobbering time, like did, did anyone just start to mosh in the studio? Cause I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's record. no way that I can, here's what we've been working on and you play it. Like there's no way you could just sit still as soon as that bass starts. Like, that's true. Any, anyone diving off couches in the studio or uh I just remember being happy about it, you know. It yeah, crazy. I was gonna say I, I I always like to, you know, because all of us in here have recorded uh, at times, and we know I know how cool it is when like something comes together and you hear it played back, and I just I always like to imagine with bands that are actually good than than like my own <laughs> bands and hear hear them played back and hear like something like it's clobbering time and how stoked you must be and the fact that you can still play it, you know, thirty three years later. And people go off. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. Doc, do you remember how it was written? Yeah, it was just by Richie. Richie. Oh, like, fucking around in the studio. <laughs> he, like, came up with the, the you know, the bass line, the intro. And we just you kicked and joined in with that. Build up. And we, we, we played it basically exactly the way the song <laughs> is still to this day. Yeah. It was just like us, like, just fucking around in the studio. And then, and, you know, in the rehearsal studio. And uh, and then it became a song, and, and and that's the way a lot of the early stuff was written. It was just by us hanging around each other, and uh, you know messing around and coming up with like <laughs> things that you know I I don't even know. Like it seems to me like almost everything we came up with 
became a song. <laughs> I don't think there was that much like throwaway stuff that we that we no, did. we we kept everything. We pretty much kept everything. You know, I think that that's an important aspect of East Coast hardcore is that you guys have basements or like lockout studios. A lot of bands have a chance to like form more. I live in Orange County. My 18-year-old kid is in a band currently, and they can only practice like three hours a week. And it has mm-hmm. to be, they have to load all their equipment in. And so there's not a lot of time wow. to like just, you know, riff off <laughs> of each other and and, and what's that? You guys have garages though, right? Yeah, but we live in the fucking suburbs and it's like we'd have to soundproof it and all that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit harder here. That rehearsed in garages in Queens. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it annoyed the hell out of the neighbors, but yeah. it happened. Yeah. You know? Luckily for us, we had uh, giant studios, which is like uh, if you ask the guys from the Gorilla Biscuits, they're, mm-hmm. from, they're all familiar with giant studios. It was like the go to place for any New York band just because yeah. they had like. They had like half decent equipment in the place. It wasn't completely falling apart. And, you know, you could, uh, I mean, by the time we were done with those rooms, (laughs) they'd be a lot worse for the wear because a lot of rehearsals, we like uh, threw the the drum set on the floor and like, you know, (laughs) piled amps on top of the drum set by the time we were done and then put it all back just so it would be okay for the next band. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> remember we would end with my life and do this big noisy ending and throw everything through the drums and, and the guy would knock on the door and be like five minutes and we'd have to we'd build it back up again <laughs> yeah so luckily we had videos where we could destroy the equipment and it wasn't really ours <laughs> <laughs> but like you said at those days i remember uh, opening the door to leave one day and there was Purcell and Ray sitting there because today was going to rehearse in a couple of hours. They were like listening to us play, you know? Yep, and uh, who else? Uh, Warzone. Warzone. Everybody. Yeah, everybody out of New York would rehearse there. It was probably like Underdog and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I ever saw Murphy's Law there. No. Nah, or the Chromex. Those guys were like in like fancier studios. Well, <laughs> remember we... Remember we went to that fancy one years later after Scratch, I think it was. And yeah. in the basement, it was on Green Street in the in Soho and in the basement in the same studio. And one night there was us, Helmet, um, the Bad Brains, and the Prong was coming in. In the same <laughs> night, we were all rehearsing in different rooms. And that's, that's when cool. I first met Stainer. He was sitting, he goes, sitting outside our door listening. He goes, you mind if we listen? Him and uh, what was the bass player's name? Henry. Henry, Henry yeah. Like, you mind if we listen? We're like, no. <laughs> so rad. Man. That's cool. Yeah. And, and that kind of, I'm sure, helped build a community for New York Hardcore, too, is like you guys see each other practicing. It's not just like you meet up at shows. You're like around, and it's such a kind of a small, a small big city that, you know, you get to encounter everyone, and Gorilla Biscuits gets influenced by you, and you pick up this from this band and, and whatever. So I think that's actually really beneficial for growing a scene, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, it was a total community. And that, that was, I think, any kind of scene across the country, if you have that many people playing similar kind of music and also socializing that much, then it's going to create like this interest, a national, international interest. You know, the same way Seattle had the grunge movement, mm. very similar idea, like this whole community of musicians all working together on different projects, but then ending up in their, their own uh, 
you know, direction. But uh, it was the same with the New York scene, but possibly even more social than than any of the other places, because there was like that thing where you went down to CB's no matter who was playing every Sunday yeah. and you just hung out. And sometimes you wouldn't even go inside, but you would just go there and hang out with all your friends. So, you know, that was one of the great things about the New York scene. Yeah. And like you guys, it, it, you know, we're on, uh, we, we got, got to the 12th release, you know, we did start today was our most recent and like, you guys came up a bunch with other, other bands, you know, um, like, especially with Gorilla Biscuits, like, you know, mentioning how important you guys were to, to them and to the scene. And um, it's just really cool as a fan, you know, when you hear about all these bands you like, and they're like cool with one another and played shows and practiced and, you know, all that stuff. So I just think that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and it makes it even more fun as a fan. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I even got to play drums for Moondog, the first uh, Moondog. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was fun to get together with those guys and like just you know uh, play those songs and everything, and uh, actually do a show at CB with them. Yeah. So, do you remember how many songs it was that you played? Uh, it wasn't all that many. It was probably maybe ten songs or something like that. Okay. Man, that's sick. Yeah, yeah that's because I only know a couple. Yeah, so, we're on a we're on a Luke real Walter it. kick right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, you got the, the quick sand out. Um, yeah. One of the things too, I think, that makes this seven inch so iconic is like we meant we touched on the the layout um, and the photo by uh, BJ Pappas, which you guys mm. just did that um, thirty five year anniversary collection with Rev. And it yeah. has like the shirts with the sick like outtakes on it and stuff. How did you come across BJ Pappas? Like, was she just around? And because she's taken photos like for you guys a bunch, right? Lou, do you remember actually meeting BJ? I don't. I don't remember <laughs> where or when we met BJ or who introduced us to her. But she's a Queens girl. We were all living in Queens, so yeah. it, it. I mean, uh, and I guess her just going to shows. Maybe we just. I don't, I don't remember if it was like at a party or at a show. Yeah, it was, it was the, together. I, uh, I, it was through Anthony Cominale from uh, Killing oh, okay. Town. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know, and we met him, you know, the, and he was like, oh, it's my friend BJ. And, you know, we ride the train back and they go to Astoria or whatever, you know. Yeah. That's how I remember okay. meeting her. And then okay. after that, she, we that just became sense. friends with her. Yeah. I, I, on and Discogs, then, it said that she took photos for the Straight Ahead LP. For the 12-inch. Uh, Straight ahead, huh? But there weren't really pictures on that, though, were there? Uh, oh, it was on, I looked at it on Discogs because I don't own it. But it I was mean, like, if it were just a couple of little live shots, and most likely yeah, it was her. Yeah, that's it. It was live shots. Uh, because we did, uh, you know, she was like our go-to photographer. Like mm -hmm. any, I, I mean, she was just at every show anyway. Yeah. And uh, so, and, you know, we would see her all the time. And uh, so, and, and hang out with her. Like, you know, she would show us all the pictures that she would have taken at any given show. So if there were any decent ones, we would just immediately be able to pick them out and use them for whatever, because uh, she was cool like that. Yeah. Cause that covers like, you know, classic. And I love you guys did the uh, nonstop album, like, I guess like 2011. Yeah. Re yeah recreated. It, and it yeah. was like a recreation. Of that. I thought that was really cool. Where is that, that um, alleyway? It's in the uh, Flushing, Flushing yep. Queens. Yep. Sanford Avenue and 149th Street. 
We're gonna go there, Jay. Yeah, we're, gonna straight up, Jay. we're gonna go there with Drew. Yes. yes. After yes. after we eat screamers with Drew, we're gonna <laughs> yeah, go after, to the alleyway. Yeah. And find Insights microphone. There we go. <laughs> we have we have a lot to do before we get to the sick of it all alley. We we had a there. lot of uh that was a long day. Like Armand uh, said the other day in an interview, he was like, We spent like the whole day in the alleyway and we got that one great shot. We do have a lot of funny outtakes. We yeah. have yeah. great ones. That's what I have a bunch of them. It was, it was us being idiots in front of a fisheye lens. Yeah. <laughs> See, we wanted... <laughs> well, remember the one we used for the ad where I think Pete's hanging upside down on the fence? and Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing. And then there's – well, there's speaking of ads, there's the one ad that we find incredibly hilarious um, in here, and it's, it's an al- another outtake of the alley. Uh, I don't know if you can see it on here. Yeah, that's the one. What are you dickless? What are you dickless? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. And that is like, I was like, this is the coolest ad I've These ever seen. Stupid things we used to say. You know? <laughs> but it's so, it's so cool. And, and we talked in the Gorilla Biscuits one about for someone like myself, um, especially like I loved that these bands like Gorilla Biscuits and you guys had that humor. <laughs> um, because it made it relatable for a kid in the suburbs, you know, yeah. that wasn't all this like tough posturing, like you guys clearly just were having Had fun. fun. Yeah. And I mean, any band that has Richie Cipriano in it is just going <laughs> to have fun constantly. Cause that guy is like, he's like a world-class comedian. The stuff really? that he comes up with is just so funny and it's nonstop. And you just are <laughs> laughing the whole time you're around him yeah oh my god he um so so what he plays on everything up to um and including just look around yeah and then so this is a random question i just thought of was craig's first session with you guys uh the husker do cover and i asked because i do a podcast about husker do and the replacements and we mentioned that cover and my friend and i who's the co-host we were trying to think i was looking at the timeline i was like that might be the first sick of it all. No, that was, that was hard. surface, I think. Scratch okay. the surface thing before that. Yeah, because I remember uh, that the we were asked to do that after we had already, I think, released Scratch the Surface and we're touring on it and they had like the a, a really big kind of upsurge in our popularity in Europe yeah. because of Scratch the Surface. And then we ended up getting the – yeah, because we didn't – yeah, it – I'm guessing it was like close, but I think Craig actually recorded Scratch the Surface with us first. Okay, yeah, because it said like it was recorded at the end of 93. So whatever the timeline for that mm-hmm. would have been, that yeah. makes sense. I was just curious. But um, so Richie, yeah. I forget if it's in the book. Why Why did he did he leave the band? Well, his, oh, yeah, go ahead, Lou. I, it was... Uh... He didn't like touring. He didn't like the European tours we did. I mean, not that he didn't like to play, but they were really hard. The first two were killer, and we weren't. We didn't make much money. And then, uh, and also, his girl at home was giving him trouble <laughs> about being on the road. That's what it's, I remember. Well, it's it's sort of a common thing. Like we were when we talked with, um, I was I think it was you today about break down the walls. We were talking about the lineup changes. And, you know, they were saying, like, touring's not for everybody. Like, some people are just naturals and really good at it, and other people don't. And they were talking about, like, Tommy Carroll quitting Youth of Today because, like, he didn't like to tour. Like, he was, you know, because some people just don't like doing it. So it seems to be, like, a 
pretty common thing, especially for like hardcore bands starting out. You're in a van. You probably don't know yeah, where it's you're sleeping. Yeah, like we've all been in bands that toured in vans, and you don't know where you're sleeping. You might have to sleep in the van. You might have to drive all the way through the night. And, yeah, yeah. Know, well, we, all that. we did it's all. It's not that. for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Time, I mean, and, no, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, like, it, it's an emotional roller coaster, like where you go from <laughs> yeah. like, really high highs to really low lows very quickly. And if you don't have like a a certain amount of grit, uh, then you're just not gonna be able to survive it. Yeah, and, and it's not like a regular job where you're like, oh, I don't feel good today. I'm si- or I'm sick. You yeah, can't stay home in bed unless, unless you you're Marcy, and you can just cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but everybody else you know many, we, we've done shows where we were each of us had like 104 fever and we're like all right we got to play you know we just get up and do it it sucks but that's what you have to do yeah i mean we, I mean, we would still do it to this day yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah well that's we one know. of the things even though it's not necessarily is like i i love i see you guys are doing those quarantine uh jams are you like how has it been for a band that as far as long as I've known hardcore, you guys have been on tour somewhere, you know? Uh, yeah, I know this, this year sucks this year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm enjoying certain aspects of just being able to take it easy and have this like comfortable lifestyle where I'm actually home all the time. But uh, you know, when you're talking about just the adventure of touring and mm. like the travel and uh just being in different places constantly and uh, seeing all your friends around the world, being able to actually play shows in front of good audiences that, that make you feel special, you know, like, <laughs> like act, taking true. all that away is uh, it's, it's a pretty lame thing. Let's put it that way. It's not, yeah, it's not it's... destroying my psyche, but it's uh, it's pretty lame. Yeah. Our major yeah. income is just touring. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's what I was thinking, too. Like in, th- in this day and age, like, you know, back if this happened 25 years ago, you could probably like put out another record or something. And, you know, that would at least get more. I mean, for you yeah. guys, I'm sure it's always been like the touring is a big thing. But yeah. even these like bigger artists now, like if they're not touring. I saw the guy from Mastodon whining about uh, like not having income, being not being on tour. And I was like, Mastodon, aren't you guys like huge? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's been a long time, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a bummer. I, I hope that, you know, time to, time to break out those, uh, rev seven inch, uh, test pressings and yeah, put them on eBay. That stuff on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm going to forge our mind signature, Richie, you know, that's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason, so, did you have another layout? Did you have yeah. a question real quick about the art real quick? Before yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to ask about the, uh, the together seven inch about who did the, the uh graffiti dude for the i did oh it's so sick man. that's what i used to do art now i haven't done art for the band in like 30 years <laughs> i want to bring that guy you're you talking about the guy with no face the hood. The hood? yeah, yeah we, I, I, I don't know if you can see him back. i want to make that guy as yeah there art. he is yeah i want to make uh sick of it all merch with that guy all over it yeah you know, people sold <laughs> people be I, I would it. love that yeah. i would love that man that's yeah, all right this stuff like is so iconic i say awesome. trucker hats first yeah. i say trucker yeah, it hats first it's sick of it all and then the guy and then the guy yeah i mean we have to use that guy we have to bring him yeah. back yeah. What dragon is it? on his hoodie what's old is new again. i love it yeah uh, hey but even before that 
Uh-oh. The the de- um the font that you guys use on the demo and you've used pretty much since then um, up until the like kind of old Englishly looking font now. Do you know where you came up with that original the, font? The seven inch font I don't remember. The the Blood and the Sweat album I designed the logo. Uh-huh. I did that whole logo, but that was the seven the inch bloody one right the bloody That's yeah so I, was like, I was like i want to draw like the misfits and that was me writing sick of it all like in a misfit style lettering nice because that the font that like the, the font that's used on the demo and the seven inch and all that stuff it's actually called the lzh1 and it's made it. they're like rub off letters by chart pack that's right Schism, that's where we got it at an art Schism, yeah schism used it integrity used it um a lot of you know a lot of things have used it and it's i've been looking for an original uh, of the rub off letters and I can't fucking find one anywhere, but we talk, no stores left. yeah, we talk a lot <laughs> on this podcast about doing, you know, the original layouts all from hand with the letter set and oh, God, the yeah. stars and all that stuff. So like, I think that it's cool that that LZH one, you know, was there in the, in the early days. It, it looks, it looks great. I mean, it fits with the name of the band. It fits with the artwork. And I think it was a really good start. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I remember thinking when me and Pete were looking at it, we were like, at first we wanted to do like an, an old English, you know, mm. but it was just like, eh. and then we were trying to find something more of a motorhead thing, which is what the later one is. Uh, it's called the Berliner font for, you know, the more old English. Uh, yeah. that I, I like it because it reminded me of motorhead, but uh, awesome. like I said, when we found that we were in an art store looking through the, the rub off letters and seeing what, what fonts there were, you know, did you ever play with motorhead? And, I'm, and if We're so, festivals. how many times? Two festivals or three? I don't remember. Uh, it, it had to be. I know for sure, two. It had That's to awesome. be probably more like three because uh, there were quite a few times where we did play with them. But, like, uh, I, I, I didn't know this until later on. Craig actually has, a, like, a picture taken with Lemmy. Yeah. And I was kind of bummed out. I never had my picture taken with Lemmy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember uh, one of them where it was Motorhead. It was – a kind of like it was gonna be like a dirt ass fest but it was motorhead new model army us and i forget who else but i remember talking to lemmy like right before he went on and i was like all nervous and he was just the coolest guy he was like yeah hey what's up you know he didn't give a shit oh that's awesome so one of the things i guess i wanted to ask before wrapping up too is like you know I, i mentioned earlier sick of it all um has been on a bunch of labels had was there ever at a point where you know maybe i guess after the major when you were looking at other labels of like doing something else with revelation. Cause at that point, you know, revelation got a little bigger. Um, did that, was that ever a conversation on the did table? Armand, did they ever approach us? Uh, you know, when uh, all those other labels did. Oh, uh, like after the major. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't remember. I don't, I, if they were one of the labels that was interested in, uh, in picking us up after our major thing was over. Um, I don't think they were really competing with Fat and Victory. It was basically a toss-up between Fat and Victory. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm guessing they competing. Epitaph was funny. About is the uh, the amount of money that they were going to invest in the band. You know what the advance would would be, what the recording budget would be, uh, whether or not they would they would be able to give us tour support, all that kind of stuff. So. You know, most likely, if there was something on the table from them, uh, I don't think it really went very far because it was, um, you know, we had a manager going over that stuff, like, you know, really carefully. And 
of course, you know, he wanted to get paid off the deal too. So uh, he <laughs> yes. wanted it to be the biggest money possible. Right. And, and so it's cool though, like, like I mentioned, you guys did that collection. So it seems like you still have a good relationship with Revelation, even though it's been, you know, what, over 30 oh, yeah. years. Yeah. Like, do I mean, you ever, do we, we were honored, like when they asked us to do the, the 25th anniversary, was it for Rev? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we came out to California. That was a fucking great show. California was show was way better than New York show. California <laughs> show was rad. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, so I guess one of the things when we wrap up, we and now Javier and I already did it, so we're off the hook. But we <laughs> ask hot tracks from the seven inch. Like, could be just your favorite to play off the seven inch, or your favorite to to write or listen to, and. uh Oh, Jason's off the hook too because he gave his. Yeah. Um. So, so just you guys. Um. What's What's your hot tracks on the on the debut seven inch? I like I like uh, clobbering time. Give respect and and uh, NS and my revenge. Okay. (laughs) Really. (laughs) I like my revenge. Almine wrote that specifically for us. Yeah. Push too far. I think is. uh, Oh shit! Yeah. Forgot that. (laughs) Um. But what other? I would say just lives. I, it's I love it. That was Richie's crazy yeah, bass play. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Just lives probably wouldn't be in my hot tracks. But uh, but what other what what are the uh, what are the songs on the the EP? Uh, Pete's so friends like you, bullshit justice. Oh, I like pay bullshit the price. Justice too. Awesome song. Oh yeah, I, I like I like Pete's sake and push too far. Uh, is push too far on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Pete's sake pushed too far, and uh, the deal. Six okay. songs. And somebody had said, "Is the deal about youth of today?" Are you able to say that? Ooh. We can edit. We can cut this out if it's if it's, if it's too. It was, it was about the hypocrisy that I saw when uh, I love those guys, but then we'd be like, "You guys should do shows with like Sheer Terror," and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, they're too negative. They're too." Yeah, negative. I remember that what? in the book. Okay, so yeah. that makes yeah. sense. I don't and, think that's scandalous are there any of these songs like if you guys were to you know do another live stream next week are there any deep cuts from this era that you would maybe that you haven't played in a while where you're hey let's bust let's bust this out we might we're probably we have all the songs that have come out have been recorded right they were recorded in july and the video shot in july Mm -hmm. so i mean it depends depends on what the people want i got a seven inch question for you sure who who did the leave me alone i'm dancing Richie. Uh, Richie. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good one, Jason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Let me ask you guys, how many different versions have there been? Oh, man. I know they did some of the record swap for Gilman, and then there yeah. was like, two, two or three versions of that, I think. Yeah. I'm we, looking we, don't, we don't talk too much about um, record pressing on this podcast because that oh, is okay. like so That's a whole hard to keep other thing, but yeah, it is. you know there was at least four original pressings the gilman street was the third press and then you know i i think that it went out of press for a long time yeah and and then you know just this recent one that they did so at least five presses but god who knows how much more <laughs> And we did, we did interview some, we, you know, when we do our bonus episodes for our Patreon, we ask, you know, them what their favorite revelation release is. So I figured I'd give a bit about to Mark Starr from Insight. He said, uh, sick of it all seven inches is his favorite revelation release out of all. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. 
I don't know if you guys ever got to play with In- Insight from Salt Lake City. Um, I don't think so. So. so many of the tours that we do are package tours and we don't end up with, I mean, sometimes we have locals opening up, but mm-hmm. uh, that, that'll be usually they're, they're small bands without that big of a following. So if they have a good following in Salt Lake, then they probably wouldn't want to open the, the package. <laughs> Makes sense. So, but a bit um, of bow to Mark. Cause he, uh, he said the sick of it all seven inches, his favorite rev release. Cool. So according to the Kevin Finn pressing info, there's been 11 pressings. Yeah, I knew it was a lot of, of crazy the, pressing. And, and that includes since 2012, 2014, 2016 was the Kana Island one. And then yeah. this latest one, the, um, the, the anniversary gold. run. Yeah. yeah. How do you pronounce yeah. that correctly? It's Kana Island? Is it I, Kana, I, Kana I just kind of yeah. mumble it. I'm like, Kana, Kana. Kana Everybody just says Kana Island. Yeah. No, 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 the the it's the, the, the European, one. It's like the a European, European club where they throw the confetti yeah. at the end That's of the show. They just call it Coney Island. So, okay. Coney. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I was always trying to put a European Belt twist it. on it. Coney. I was trying to say Coney. Kanye. 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 All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Where It Went podcast and for coming along on our detour. Oh, I do have one last piece of shinfo. My grandmother, <laughs> who I call Noni, grew up on Stony Brook, Long Island, and I sent her uh, the photo of the back cover of the Sick of It All 7-inch and was like, hey, do you have any information about this or whatever? Shout out to Stony Brook. She didn't. Okay. But she just kind of turned it into talking about Long Island somehow. And... Uh, Neglect? <laughs> on, the, on her doorstep at her house, there's like a hand-painted map of long island and she told me that i'm going to inherit that from her yeah. nice. and i have i've never been to long island i have no connection to long island other than loving a lot of bands from long island like vod glass jaw movie life yeah movie life yo i'm stoked that we'll get to talk about the movie life the yeah. movie life here's one topical the movie life's this time next year record yesterday um because as we're recording this uh, Halloween was yesterday uh-huh. and it turned 20 years old. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and not 22. We, we have a personal connection to that record because our very own Jason did yeah. some uh, guest vocals on that this time next year. And nice. that is a great record. I love yeah. that record. Yeah. I do yeah. love that record. Uh, I've, Vinny, uh, I've never met Vinny. Yeah. I know you have Jason, but seems like a rad dude. I, would I follow love Vinny. Cool. I've, I've chatted with Vinny. Um, he's bought some merch from me actually. From oh, Cox nice. Band, and, yeah. um, uh, he's actually a, an interesting person to follow 
on Instagram. And I also appreciate the like weird glass jaw connection. Cause you know, I'm a glass jaw super fan. So yeah. Yeah. So, bit at bow to Vinny, Vinny and yeah. the movie life and bit at bow to Jason for uh, having a part of that. So yeah. yeah. Thank you. Oh, you have anything else? Bit, what do you got? Bit at bow to sick of it all because when I was young and dumb and I think 19 years old, I was trying to do a zine and I interviewed them and they were fucking cool as shit to me. When I was, I was younger, say they seem like they will, they will talk to anyone. And yeah, I came really, up to them and just was, you know, yeah. And excited. Yeah, I want a bit of both them too. Cause they're, yeah. they're, one, they're one of my favorite bands. And, they were um, super cool to me then. They were super cool now in 2020. Yeah. It's just awesome. So. so up next time we do dive into Rev 14. Big um, one. Judge New York crew. Fuck. Stay tuned. Yeah. Huge. All right, but it both in the hardcore reality. All right. What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our top tier Patreon subscribers: Quiet Keith, Caesar Falcon, Siren Records, Billy Tanell, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson, Chad Keplinger, Tim Shear, Mike the Mosher. O'Neill, the horsefucker, John Cowell, and Brandon Gavell. Please visit us at whereitwentpodcast.com to learn all about our Patreon and all the fucking cool stuff that we do over there. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bidip-bo!